Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Just do it. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. Sal, got it back on the fan. 877-337-6666. Fleeps was off yesterday, so we got to get his story on how his weekend went and as far as watching his Jets Go beat the Buffalo Bills. You had a wedding to navigate, and it's always fun uh, for me to hear other people going through the, the the same nonsense that we all go through and trying to watch these games here. I, I have an issue again with my wife coming up this weekend. Maybe we get into that later too. I mean, it just it just doesn't end. I mean, I want an off day and do nothing, and then it's oh, we got to go visit friends and blah 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 blah, which is fine, but. I, I just don't really want to do it. Anyway, so we'll get into that and get Fleek's take on Zach Wilson and the Jets' performance, too, as we'll go into 5 a.m., so we got four hours to play with here. Talking some hoops, Knicks, Nets, both coming off of games tonight. Nets lose in Dallas, Knicks win in Minnesota. Can they be consistent moving forward? 877-337-6666. Also, Week 9 now in the books in the NFL. The Ravens take care of the Aints on Monday Night Football and a game that I really didn't pay much attention to other than the score and to see who scored fantasy purposes. But week nine already in the books, and you know we're looking at the Giants coming back for week 10 here this week. The Jets get their bye week, and then after that, full throttle, full speed ahead, starting with week 11. The Jets in New England. Giants will be back home to take on the Lions as the playoff push. Do you believe it? Two teams that have been basically dead for the last, what, five, six years, however long it's been, maybe longer, basically dead by week two. And now here we are entering week 10 and looking for both the Jets and Giants to make a playoff push. As a matter of fact, I would think right now we all, Jets or Giants fans, we all expect, I mean, hell, even Cowboys fans or or Patriots fans for that matter, or Bills fans, where you at, Omar? We all expect at this point the Jets and the Giants to be playing in play in the playoff games. Whether it's going to be Wild Card Weekend, or who, you know, who knows? But and we would assume that that would be the case. But the Jets and Giants at this point, it would be a major disappointment if they're not playing in or during Wild Card Weekend or in the postseason in the NFL. 877-337-6666. We mentioned the hot stove baseball. Not much happening because of the five-day window now where teams can negotiate with their own players. Mets, obviously, as you know by now, signed Edwin Diaz, and we could get into that and the risks involved there when you sign a closer long-term. For me, though, and even as somebody who was obviously not the big Diaz, biggest Diaz fan in 2019, I don't know how you could be, but... 
they had to bring him back. I mean, you have to get a closer. The Mets had one. He was very good here last year, if not just flat-out dominant. One of the better relieving, uh, better seasons I've seen from a Mets reliever in franchise history, at least as far as I've been watching. That was as dominant a season I've seen from a Mets reliever. Coming off of, you know, in 2019, what was the worst season I've ever seen for a Mets reliever. But either way, Diaz getting the five-year, $102 million deal, the richest for a relief pitcher in the history of the sport. And it was nice to see that Diaz doesn't even test the free agent waters. He didn't really care to. He loved it in New York. The Mets loved him. And they come to a deal that makes him the highest paid reliever of all time. And he will be, him and his trumpets, going to be locked up in City Field for the foreseeable future. I think there's an opt-out for Diaz after three seasons. But either way, the Mets get back their closer. That's part one. And it was kind of, you know, you knew that that was going to happen. Never once that I think Edwin Diaz would be leaving to go elsewhere. Now you start to focus on the big names. And for the Yankees, it's Aaron Judge. And for the Mets, it's Jacob deGrom. And with Judge, I mean, we've heard the reports the Giants won't be outbid. We know that Judge is not going to get anything done, or at least we wouldn't think, in this five-day window. Although, you know, Judge does, I believe, want to be back with the Yankees. It's just a matter of, well, he got this close. Why not test and see what type of money is going to be out there and get a, a framework to work with here? Okay, the Giants are going to give me 320. All right, let's go back to the Yankees and see where they're at or how exactly that's going to play out. And then the Yankees are going to have to make a decision. Do they want to match? Do they want to come up? Do they draw a line in the sand? How far are they going to be willing to go to keep their superstar in pinstripes? And with the Mets, I think it's a different situation where I get the feeling, and this is not a knock on Aaron Judge at all, he deserves the most money. I don't know if Judge is going to take less. And by the way, if he did take less, it would be with the Yankees. So it's the complete opposite of DeGrom. One, you're talking about a player and judge who I think wants the most lucrative contract, as he should. Two, you're talking about a player that, if all things were equal or maybe even a little bit less, he'd rather stay in pinstripes. And that's just my opinion. I don't know that to be fact. I'm just basing that off of, you know, using some common sense here. With DeGrom, it's, I believe, the opposite, where he still does not know Regardless of what Mark Canna says or what Zach Wheeler say, Jacob DeGrom does not know or at least hasn't expressed to the Mets what his goals are, what he wants. The Mets let him know that they want him back, and they have been communicating with him. This is according to Andy Martino, who I had on Baseball Night New York yesterday, 6 o'clock on SNY, live from the GM meetings as we'll continue to do all week long. And he was basically saying that the Mets have an idea of what they're willing to offer. They want the pitcher back. They want DeGrom back. They're ready and prepared to make a significant offer. They don't know if DeGrom wants to be back legitimately with the team or if he would be potentially just using them to get the offer up. And that is something that they are going to have to be careful with here because they don't want to be used. 
That's the one tricky spot when you have Steve Cohen as your owner, and I, you know, the Yankees have been down this road plenty of times before, many years ago. You don't want to have players drive up the price by threatening to go to New York only to go to their more desired location, whatever it may be. And the Mets, if they're going to make this thing work with DeGrom, they need to have a better system of communication with DeGrom. And that is one thing right now that would concern me. Hearing Andy say that, you know, basically the Mets are ready to make DeGrom an offer. They want DeGrom back. They believe in the player. You know, they're they're ready. It's not just going to be a cheap offer. They're ready to spend. But they're unsure of what his commitment level will be to their organization. As far as does he want to be there or not. And that's something that they're going to have to weigh. And find out, flat out, forget about Wade. They're going to have to find out, flat flat out from him. He's going to have to tell him. It's going to come a point, Jake, do you want to be here or not? If you do, we're going to make you a legitimate offer. If you don't, you'd rather go elsewhere, we'll move on. And while I would love to see DeGrom be a Met for life, it's almost, and I know it's two totally different things with DeGrom and Judge and what they provide each team, obviously. But I almost get the feeling that both the Mets and the Yanks, and more so the Mets, would be better off if both those guys left, especially if Judge is going to get something near $400 million, and assuming that it's going to prevent the Yankees from building out the club elsewhere. Now, if you tell me, well, whatever Judge gets, it's not going to impact the rest of the Yankee plans, then yes, I want him back. Because why would you not? He's one of the best players, if not the best player in the sport. So, of course, they wouldn't be better off without him in their lineup. But I meant better off as far as, hey, if you're talking an eight-year deal, odds are he's not going to live up to all eight years, right? We all know that about players going in. It's not his fault. It's just the reality of these situations. And if you're talking about 350, 375, you know, ridiculous type money like that, and telling me that, well, this is going to be it for the Yanks, between him, Stan, and Cole, don't anticipate the Yankees spending any big money anytime soon. There's going to be restrictions and limitations. Then I would consider saying, you know what? It might be better off letting him go and build elsewhere. And in the Mets case, they're not going to be able, or at least I don't think, I shouldn't say able, they're not going to be willing to bring in everybody, meaning re-sign DeGrom and then go get Trey Turner and then build out the bullpen and the rest of the staff. Like, There's a lot that the Mets have to do. So if they bring back Jacob DeGrom, now you're already talking about two high-priced players coming back with DeGrom and Diaz. This on top of Lindor and Scherzer. I'm not sure the Mets go out there and give out another mega contract. And if that's the case, well then, where is the upgrade coming offensively? Where's the power coming from? Could they get Carlos Correa on a shorter deal? I don't know what Correa's deal is going to be this year. Trey Turner, I think, is going to be looking to break the bank. Rightfully so. He's a great player. And by the way, Trey Turner does not solve as much as I love him as a player and would love to see him, whether it's with the Mets or the Yankees. I'd love to see Trey Turner in New York. Both teams could use him. Who couldn't? But he doesn't solve the Mets' lack of power problem that they have. You know, it's funny. I talk about the Yankees. This just came to me here in my head. I talk about the Yankees 
you know, if it were me, I'd look to trade John Carl Stanton. Oh, the Mets would be a perfect trade partner for that. They need John Carl Stanton. They need more power. Not him specifically, but they need more power. The Yankees need more balance. And especially if you're talking about bringing back Aaron Judge, they have their focal point. You'd rather than spend that money that you're paying Stanton maybe elsewhere and build out the team. Now, not that they would ever make a trade of that magnitude, but it was just I was just thinking of it as we were talking about trying to get the Mets some power here and filling things out. Either way, you know, if the Mets bring back DeGrom, how are they going to change that lineup significantly? Francisco Alvarez? What, they're going to go get Jose Abreu? 877-337-6666 is the number to call. Whatever you want to discuss on this Tuesday morning. Shamark is calling from Buffalo, New York. What's up, Shamark? Hey, brother. How you feeling, man? Yeah, not bad, you yeah, listen, you know, as optimistic as I like to be as a Knicks fan, I mean, you hit right on the money. You know, the Knicks really kind of lucked out with uh, I mean, uh, with um, RJ. I, I look, I love him. He's great attitude. Got good, you know, DNA, you know, related to, you know, the whole step thing with uh, Nash and his dad, you know, being a big sure. uh, basketball guy. But, you know, John Morant was the guy, Mr. My Pick. Steph Curry was the guy, Mr. My Pick. We passed on Donald Mitchell. We passed, I mean, we passed on... So many, we passed on Devin Booker the year we took Christoph in Pazingas. I mean, obviously nobody knew Donovan Mitchell be what he is because four of the teams passed on him. And, you know, along with um, Devin Booker dropped in ninth. But the thing with the Mitchell deal that they didn't make. Yeah, but that's the difference. Shamark, that's the difference of why the Knicks are where they are and the other teams have taken off. So you could talk about, well, nobody knew. Yeah, but those teams took those players and those guys turned into superstars. Oh, no, the Knicks right. haven't oh, done that. Oh, a hundred percent, I agree with you. And you know, and 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 my, what the point I was going to make is that that's why I kind of was like, like not too happy with the fact they didn't make the deal for Mitchell simply because all those draft picks that they were asking for, and we don't know what the real number was, but at the end of the day, if you're not turning them into a star, then what good are they? So they can be, you know, NFL. If you're not doing anything like those draft picks, like Gettleman ruined the Giants for years because he wasn't making the right picks. So if the Knicks not making right picks, they got to give those picks up to get a guy who's a bona fide star because everybody just wants to win the lottery and think we're going to bring in a guy who's won a championship. No, you got to build a team, but you have to have a star in this league. You, you have to. No team is winning the championship without at least one star. I'm not necessarily saying it's got to be the big and, three, but are they and in, now, in, uh, yeah. they're not. they're not so bad to be able to get a top pick. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't find somebody, to your point, you know, not not all these guys were, you know, top three or whatever it may be, yeah. but they need to be. And then we've heard for years, whether it's going to be free agency, which, look, they got Brunson, fine, but he's not, he, he's a nice piece and a nice starting piece, but they need yeah. a legitimate star. And we've heard about getting them via trade. I think Donovan Mitchell was close, but it didn't happen. And then a part of me was thinking, oh, all right, better off. But in reality, no, they needed Donovan Mitchell. You're seeing now what he's doing with the Cavs. You're seeing why yeah. they needed him. Yeah, and they're only going to be as good as R.J. Barrett. Looks, I like the other guys. I like Rhymes. I like uh, McBride. I, you know, I like uh, Obi. And uh, you know, I like Brunson. I, I mean, I like the the young kid, the Sims, the guy, you know, the big guy. But they just don't have a guy that's really not, forget about drawing tickets. That guy just can go out there and dominate any night. And in this league, you got it, and you got to have you have to have a shooter too. I know you talked a lot about the type being a. You know, more than anomaly with all those threes. But a lot of these teams are, you know, they got a, a backcourt with guys, just, they come to Garden and they just, they just embarrass us. They just, everybody wants to come to our, you know, home court and have a career day. But I, I just hope they get lucky in the draft because that's what it comes down to. They, they can't seem to. Well, they've a, been they, completely unlucky, to your point. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> Steph Curry, many years ago, they get Jordan Hill one pick after Steph Curry would have changed the entire. Oh. 
franchise. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we'd be talking about a team right now. Who knows what would have happened potentially? Pick Championships. We were one pick from John Morant. We were one well, pick that's from and that's that's what I was going to get to. That one even more so because who knows what would have happened with Steph Curry and the dysfunction at the time. But had yeah. they and remember. At that point, Shamark, they had the worst record in the league, and it was the first year yeah. where they implemented that new system yeah, that you know the, the, with the different percentages there. And they don't yeah. only fall from the first pick; they fall from the first pick to the third pick. Yeah. They would have gotten lucky had they fell to number two and basically been left with John Moran. Although knowing them, they probably would have taken R.J. Barrett over John Moran yeah, anyway. Yeah. But <laughs> but but that's that's the difference. And you look that's at all those guys and you mention them. You know, whether it's Emmanuel Quickly, whether it's Obi Toppin, whether it is McBride, whether it's Grimes, whether it's Barrett, whether it's Randall, where is the star? Not one of those guys. Well, I mean, some some it's early for some of the guys, but still, we one guy has to turn into the superstar player, and they just don't have it. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. The best case scenario, this team might make the play in, and if they do, even if they got the seven eight seed, then that you know the first round, man. We gotta, we just gotta take turn one of those picks that we didn't give up. We don't really know how many Danny Ainge asked for. They gotta turn turn it into a gem. They have to. I'm just, I'm just gonna just hope and pray because I'm just tired of. You know, the same old mix. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. And I don't know, and thank you for the call, Shamark. I appreciate checking in. Fun to talk some Knicks with you. You know, I don't feel like Leon Rose and company have been awful in these drafts, and maybe bad luck is a little bit of a part of it, but they have, you know, they missed out on DeJounte Murray, who, you know, they were rumored to be interested in from the Spurs. He goes to the Hawks. He's going to turn into a star. They missed out on Donovan Mitchell, who is a superstar. They were never able to realistically get in on Dame Lillard, who we heard forever. That could be the next guy to come to New York. They have all these picks. They're in prime position with assets to be able to acquire a disgruntled superstar. Where is that player coming from? Where is that guy? They've had a couple opportunities, and they didn't get him. And then you talk about the draft, the the hard part with believing that they could get it done in the draft is that they're going to be picking middle of the pack. And even so, I mean, you could find players, but that to me has not been their strength to where they can find a potential diamond in the rough in the draft. That is something that they found serviceable players, not total busts, like maybe the way, you know, Clay Anthony early, um, you know, to name one, one of many who have been absolute busts that the Knicks have taken over the years. But they need to be able to, you know, role players are one thing. Depth is one thing. They need one of these guys to turn into a star. And I think Barrett's the most obvious one because he was taken the highest because he's got potential. Now they gave him a big contract, but, you know, he's. I think he's close to being maxed out, and I don't think he's ever going to be an all star. I hope I'm wrong because I'd love to see it from R.J. Barrett, but I think he's he is what he is. He's just too inconsistent. They have two players who can be all star like on any given night, but they're not all star players. That's what's maddening when you talk about Randall and R.J. Barrett. Quickly has been a bust as far as I'm concerned. I had high hopes for him. You know, and that's the other thing. We talk about not just the inability to develop or draft or develop a star or be able to go out there and acquire a star. They they don't have shooters. You need shooters. It's pretty simple. It's the one thing that's clearly lacking. 
it forever was a point guard. Now they have that with Brunson at least. They have no shooters. If at least one of Randall or Barrett was a big-time shooter, maybe things would be different. So that's the other weakness that those two guys have. Not only are they not that next-level consistent all-stars, but they're not great shooters. That is not their strength, neither of them. Randall has been efficient. It was two years ago, was last night, but not consistent. The, the worst thing is I just don't know the way out. And this has been going on and on and on. It's gotten better in the last few years, but they're kind of in now basketball purgatory where you almost wish that they were a, another you know lottery team and hit on a top pick, no doubter, and have that guy turn this team around. It felt inevitable that that's you know, what they needed. That was their way out. God, the John Morant one drives me nuts. Imagine the difference had they had John Morant, what he would have done to this team. Now, remember, too, the Grizzlies are a better-run organization, and they have a lot more talent around John Morant than the Knicks would have had. But still, I, I don't know the answer. Do they need better people running the front office? They've tried a bunch of different things, and you could you know, love them or hate them. Whatever your feeling is on Jim Dolan, he goes out there and tries, at least, and maybe sometimes too hard, but tries to do whatever he can to let this organization get their way out of the gutter that they've been in for the better part of the last two decades. It's not like he's not trying to have this organization win. He's high, man. Everybody, Phil Jackson, go get the known guy. They get Phil Jackson, total flop. They think outside the box. Leon Rose, all right, try to be able to recruit star players to New York. It still hasn't been able to happen. Brunson's the one guy that they could hang their hat on, and he's a good player, and I like him, but he's not the guy. They're lacking that, at least one of those guys. Your official station to talk Giants. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Download it today. Dude, how about Xavier McKinney? I mean, what are we doing here? And I get it. You got to live life. But the thing is, if you uh, are not aware, Xavier McKinney on the bye week went away, was um, in Cabo, and he was doing a a little ATV riding. He had an accident and injured his hand. He's going to be out now a few weeks. It's just, I mean, football players get injured enough on the field the last thing you need is somebody to get injured during the bye week now what are you supposed to do he's going away he's going to Cabo enjoying himself on the bye week accidents happen I mean it could have been a car crash whatever it's not like he was being completely reckless but damn I mean I don't know I don't know what my mentality would be with that if you know your body is your livelihood I would not think riding ATVs 
would be something that would put me in harm's way. You know, you would think normally, well, neither would be playing basketball, but hey, if you play a competitive game of basketball and, you know, you twist an ankle or you tear your ACL, I mean, anything can happen. We've seen that plenty of times before, too, with athletes who are, you know, playing basketball or doing stuff off the court or off the field, whatever it may be, and they get injured. It just sucks. Xavier McKinney, everything going so well for the Giants, and then all of a sudden they hit a bye week, and now they lose McKinney for a few weeks due to an ATV accident. And you just hope it doesn't hurt the Giants too much. Moving forward, 877-337-6666. And for the Giants, it's going to be a return to a soft schedule for the first two games back. Texans at home this week, and then the Lions at home the following week before the big matchup. Giants at Cowboys, Thanksgiving Day. Yes, please. 877-337-6666. Jim is calling from uh, Haverstraw. Where are you calling from, Jim? Uh, Haverstraw, about like Haverstraw. 10 miles north of Tappan Bridge, Rockland County. Oh, okay. All right. Rockland County. What's on your mind this morning, Jim? Yeah, so, I mean, uh, just to go the, the the players, right? you got to remember that they're young and they're kids, but just sit on the beach, man. Like, you remember the Giants, the last off the field act? Like, Pierre Paul's, like, holding a blockbuster in his hand. Like, sometimes these guys, they don't just make sense. Like, Big Ben's getting on a motorcycle with no helmet. It's like, man, somebody's got to advise these dudes. Like, you know, your 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 average, uh, you know, lifespan of a of a football player is just a couple of years. Like, just get off the ATV for you know for now. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I guess if you do it in the off season, maybe a little uh, easier to swallow because three weeks in the off season not a big deal. In season, you got to try to limit. I guess the risks there. It's still, ATV should not be that dangerous. Yeah, accidents happen. Unfortunately, it happened to McKinney, but it's frustrating. Player on a bye week getting hurt. Our guys get it hurt enough during the games, during every week when they're on the field. Getting a bye week, it's supposed to be rest and get healthy during a bye week. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Get in the, in the lounge chair, sit down, have a drink. Like, what are you doing on the ATV? But uh, anyway, you were talking Knicks, man, and it's like, you know, everybody's saying that. that they're right, right? Our draft, our, our picks, we just, we haven't gotten lucky. But one thing is, you know, everybody's like, all right, well, just get the player, get the player. For a while now, who wanted to come? It wasn't even like we could just say, okay, let's just get that player now. Because, you know, uh, for years, Madison Square Garden, it's New York. People are jumping at the bit to, uh, to come to New York. But it wasn't like that for a while. Um, and, and the, the, basketball purgatory that you're talking about it's like that's the reason why we kind of are overpaying for for brunson is because we're in that uh basketball purgatory but i think we're we're at a good spot now right i would have loved to have donovan mitchell here um just for the, the secondary reasons of being able to take somebody like barrett underneath his wings like randall right now has got to worry about himself man and, and get himself better and you know somebody like mitchell where, you know, if, if we're hoping that Barrett gets to that elite level, you know, it will go a lot quicker if we have somebody who is at that elite level, like Mitchell or like Dane, you know, to sit, you know, at his side. I think a lot of the times these, you know, the, the guys who are picking um, these players for the Knicks, it almost feels like it's like, all right, who's supposed to go in that spot? Like, I don't know if you ever has been in the situation or a friend right. like you're picking. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I, you, you nailed exactly what I was saying 
during that draft specifically with R.J. Barrett, but it's always my thing every year. Just because that's the quote-unquote next best player on the board doesn't mean that you need to fall in line with that pick because it never works out that way. So it went that particular year. Zion won, Ja two, and of course they take R.J. Barrett three as if he's going to be the third best player. It doesn't work like that. Think outside the box. Go get a player who you believe that could be a star. I agree exactly with what you're saying. And, and that's exactly um, the, the like when you question the basketball IQ of the the people or the scouts who are making the picks. And I kind of related to this. I don't know if you ever had this situation, whether it was you or a friend of like fantasy football at the fourth or fifth round, and they don't know what they're doing, and it's just because the computer says, "All right, this is the next right. guy up," and they they pick them because they don't want to feel stupid. But I, I think right now with the players that we got going with. Um, OB and we got Barrett Randall's there and and listen we're not going to win a championship right but I think we're at a spot now where we're marketable we could get that player in we still got a, a little doing with with our monies and stuff like that but I th- thank God that the Nets are looking the way that they're looking because you know players you know on paper a year or two ago I thought everybody if they were coming to New York it wasn't into our building so I, I think we're we're in a good spot right now, and it's kind of like the, the Giants and the Jets. I'm a Giants fan, but I'm just enjoying, right? Play hard, you know, run around, get better, don't digress, and, you know, let's let's get moving. And just hopefully that our doctor management, the, the scouts, the people doing all that stuff, don't fall into that, all right, if we don't have that gem, we got to pick the next guy because we don't want to look at like we're you know we're, we're doing we'll take risks thing. no you got to be able to take risks and thank you for the call jim appreciate checking in couple things though number one you're talking about well yeah it'd be nice for rj barrett to develop with having a star player be his you know mentor or whatever it may be well the thing is rj barrett will be going back to in this case Utah for Donovan Mitchell. So it wasn't going to be Donovan Mitchell and RJ Barrett. It was going to be the picks and RJ Barrett for Donovan Mitchell. They were not going to be able to have them both. Anyway, that's number one. Number two, I agree with exactly what you're saying. It's always my mentality. Now look, if the Knicks believed, and I do think that in this particular case with the RJ Barrett draft, they believed he was the best pick in that particular spot. I get it. But too often you do see teams fall into that, okay, well, he's the next man up, we're on the clock, and then they fall into that line of we're taking this guy. The smart teams either trade back or take a player that they love and take a chance on that may not be the popular pick or the consensus, let's say, number three pick, whatever pick it may be, whatever spot you're in. Oh, well, the board says, you're exactly right, the fantasy example was a great one. Well, the board says right here, this guy's ranked, you know, 188 coming in the year. It's We're at the 188th pick. Might as well take him now. I never do that, and I wouldn't recommend doing that. The Knicks, you know, but they also had bad luck that year. They should have had the number one pick, and the pick should have been John Morant. Now, if they had the number one pick, they probably would have taken Zion. And who knows? I'm assuming they would have taken John Morant. I'd hope they would have taken John Morant if they had number two. But they could have gotten lucky. They could have been unlucky by losing the first pick, but then in turn gotten lucky because it would have been the best pick of the draft, number two, John Morant. That's the guy I wanted. And then, of course, Zion off the board one, Ja off the board number two, Nick sitting there at number three. 
and they get R.J. Barrett. And again, R.J. Barrett's a solid player. He's not that guy. He's not the guy to turn around the franchise. And I don't know if I would say that the Knicks are in a good spot. Because, I, I mean, I just don't know how you can say that where we're talking about a franchise. Now, look, are they better than the spot that they were in for the majority of the time since, you know, Phil Jackson took over with Derek Fisher, right? Was that the first year with Phil? Where you had, they went from the mellow playoff years, three years in a row, really after that 54-win season, and that's the, even that year was disappointing, where they got beat up by the Pacers. Tyson Chandler, all oh, big, tough Tyson Chandler. Chewed up, spit out by Roy Hibbert. Anyway, 54-win season was by far the best thing that we've seen since the 90s. And even in that year, they had a disappointing out uh, uh, ending where they got eliminated by the Pacers, as we said. Had they lost to the Heat in the, in the Eastern Conference Finals? Understood. Not there in the semis. And this is where it's tough for me to think. But then anyway, so my point was, before I get into the overall point, from there, it just was downhill. Where you look at the win totals, I mean, they were an abomination. They were terrible. Until two years ago, where, you know, in the shortened year uh, following the pandemic, they were the fourth seed, but then still lost in the first round to the Hawks. Then a regression year last year, back to losing, not in the postseason. And now this year, off to a 500 start through the first 10 games. But look at the, and I know we always throw it out there and say, oh, they've been bad now for the better part of two decades. I mean, we're talking about 20 years, over 20 years. Where it went from, and this is why it's hard for me, and I know a lot of you older Knicks fans, my age or older, and I'm 43, you know, you remember this. You remember the beginning with Patino or Stu Jackson, and then, of course, Pat Riley and the all the years in the 90s. The Knicks are in the playoffs every year from 87, the 1987-88 season, every year through 2000-2001. And then it began. Then that's when Van Gundy left, 0-1-0-2, no playoffs, no playoffs the following year. Then they get back to the playoffs, even though they didn't finish 500, when Isaiah took over. And had the audacity to give you, and I remember because I was there. I was working at the fan at the time. I'm coming up on twenty, my 20-year anniversary. I was working at the fan. I mean, there's been some comings and goings in between. But still, I mean, 20 years ago, I started at the fan. And I had a, I got a media credential to go to the postseason. And I remember Isaiah Thomas, before the Nets, uh, the Knicks got swept by the Nets. I remember Isaiah Thomas welcoming the Garden crowd to the playoffs. And I remember being like, you fool. Like, how can you say that? Welcome to the playoffs. Like, the Knicks fan doesn't know what the playoffs is like. We've lived in the playoffs, bro. We've lived in the playoffs. All I know is the playoffs. There was a point in my life in the mid-90s that if you were to tell me the Knicks won't make the playoffs in whatever year, I'd be like, what are you, out of your mind? There will never be a year the Knicks won't be in the playoffs. They are always in the playoffs. Now, how far they'll go, who knows? 
But they're always going to be in the playoffs. Wrong. Anyway, Isaiah welcomes the Knicks fan to the playoffs. They get swept, and then they went one, two, three, four, five, six consecutive years without playoffs. So following that great stretch in the 90s and losing in the NBA Finals in 99-2000, excuse me, in the 98-99 season, losing in the Conference Finals in 99-2000, and then the first round to the Raptors, and that's when you knew it was like, wait, the Knicks just lost in the first round? They never lost in the first round. Lost in the first round of the playoffs to the Raptors? And Van Gundy knew it. So then they they made the postseason then only once from 2000 and 2001 season through the 2010-11 season. Three straight years, losing in the first round twice and then losing in the semis with Carmelo and that 54-win year. And then it got real bad again from 13-14 to where we are currently where they've had one playoff spot. That was the one that we referenced, you know, getting the four seed. I mean, think about that. Think about how awful, how irrelevant, how dreadful a once-proud franchise became. The Knicks were always, and I was looking at the standings today, you know, just doing a little prep work before I come on. I wanted to see where Minnesota was in the standings, just to get a reference point. Minnesota themselves are the 10th seed right now in the West. So I was just looking at the standings, and I remember when I was a kid looking at the records, whether they would show the standings on MSG, you know, either before or after the Knicks game with Marv Albert and Johnny Hoops, John Andres doing the game. Al Trotwig probably did the halftime shows back then. I forget specifically, but I would think that it was Al Trotwig most of the time. And Marv and, and John Andres, guys I grew up on, loving those guys. And I remember where it would be, where the Knicks would be right now, where the Bucks would be. 9-1, and 8-1. and one. All right, maybe 7-3. and three. It, was, it was the rare Knicks game that resulted in a loss. Oh, wow, they lost tonight? And now it's like the rare Nick game results in a win. It used to be so much more fun. Trust me, if you weren't around. And there are a lot of people who are in their 20s that are like, oh, I don't remember the Knicks being good at all. Because they haven't for the better part of two decades. That's half my life. They've been basically irrelevant. And I just don't see a way out. So I guess the overall point that I was trying to get to, it's better now. Where you're talking about last year, even 37 wins. The year before, 41 in the shortened year. You were talk, you're talking about prior to that, 21 wins, 17 wins, 29 wins. You're talking low 30s. You're talking about teens. I mean, 2014-15, they, they had 17 wins. I mean, that's it's, it's despicable. Think about that. They've had more. The Knicks have had more seasons with 17 wins in the past one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. In the past nine years, they've had more seasons with 17 wins than they have playoff berths. <laughs> I mean, and they've only won more than 30. Well, I guess they won 37 games in 13, 14. They've only been 500 just the one time. Over 500 once. That was the, the season a couple of years ago. I mean, think of how bad that is. They've beaten the care out of us. 
I can't even believe we're talking Knicks for two hours. Let's get in some hot stove, too, on the other side, or some football, for goodness sake. Let's talk about the teams that are good. Now, look, you want to say at least you have a season and they could potentially be a 500 team and a playoff team? I guess that's something considering where they were. But, man, there is a long way to go. Is it too much to ask for a consistent playoff uh, you know, appearances from this team the way that it was in the 90s? I miss Ewing. I miss Oak. I miss Starks and Harper and Charlie Ward. Even Houston and Sprewell and Marcus Kimby. God, I love those guys. And Van Gundy. I know Tibbs is supposed to be a, you know, he is a disciple of Van Gundy, but he's not the real thing. I, I like Tibbs. It's not, this is not his fault, but it's still not Van Gundy. I'll always love Jeff Van Gundy. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. We need your second opinion. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. Salakata back on the fan. Let's get some calls in here. 877-337-6666. Where you guys been? I've been talking to myself for a couple hours here. Good to hear from you. Chris is in Beacon. Chris, what's going on this morning? Sal, do you believe the AFC East is over? Is it over? <laughs> no, I'm not. You guys better stop with this going down this road. No, the AFC. Who do I think is winning it right now? Who, how could you say the AFC East is over for the Jets? No, They're not know, even in the I'm lead. Not, you know I'm messing with you. Um, but, no, I know. You know. I know. I'm going to talk about Nick, but just just recap on the Jets. I was talking to Fleeks, and he was off, and I had to talk to him. But, you know, obviously, he said he didn't see the best still out of Zach. But, look, what I saw was what he didn't do the previous weeks. He made, he made a lot less mistakes, you know. And, of course, you know, overthrowing a you know, receiver here and there. Or that strip sack, what those are going to happen when a, when a quarterback's running to the left and he's looking at the field, and one of those defenders come right behind you and strip your arm. That happens to the best players. It happens to Aaron Rodgers. It happens to Brady. It happens to everybody when you're not seeing this guy right behind you. Those are going to happen. But i seen progress from the kid, and thank God it has to see crappy Mike White. That's why I didn't want to see it. We know who he is. He sucks. Well, think about it. this. It's, it's, I'm just glad, Chris, that it wasn't about Mike White. And remember, Zach Wilson, he was in a fragile spot. Now, maybe not in his own mind, and I think that's a good thing. But there was, you know, obviously a lot of fans wanted Zach Wilson benched, or they're talking about he's not the guy after the loss to New England. He's in a fragile spot there at home that if he throws a bad pick, 
He's going to get booed. I mean, he's going to hear it from the crowd. There's going to be even more pressure. And against that Buffalo defense, and I know that they were missing key guys, but still, against that Bills team, you know, arguably the best team in the NFL, it would have been very easy for Zach Wilson to make some mistakes, and he didn't. And they did throw the ball. It wasn't like they were just running the football all day long. They threw the football, and they made a decision to have him throw it late to get that big first down late. And I was going to say, this is about – we're going to learn about not only Wilson here, but we're going to learn about what the team thinks if they're going to run the ball and be conservative or try to throw it. They did throw it. They get the first down with Denzel Mims at the time. So Wilson, to me, made the plays, and he did it in a difficult spot, dealing with the pressure, knowing that one bad mistake, and he would have lost the crowd completely. Well, that's what I mean. The week later, in your home stadium, and he, just by him not making those big mistakes and showing that he could overcome what he went through and, and not have that not have to be messing with the pressure of, of the fan base losing it, showed that, you know, that he has that determination to, to try to get better and not make those mistakes. I think he showed, he showed uh, you know, what he needs to do. And, you know, it would have been easier if he was, you know, went off to another, you know, another city and had to play and not had to be from his home crowd to, to have, you know, with that pressure off of it. He did it with the pressure. And against the, probably a team that we thought may win a Super Bowl this year. One of the best right. teams, so that was good. But as far as the Knicks, um, look, oh, look, I, I, I might have watched two quarters this year already. I've been checked out in NBA. You know, obviously Mets had a great year, and now the Jets are surprising. So I'm watching a lot of football, but I don't know what to tell you with this team. Like, what are we looking at? Like you said, a 500 team, a 6-7 seed, maybe playing team. So we're going to be, you know, out of the draft, and, you know, we're never gonna hit that. Sometimes we're never gonna hit that big traffic. And and the fact of free agents, they don't they don't want to come here. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's Dolan. You know, LeBron said that back in the day that nobody wants to play. It's a, it's a it's an inside secret with the with the stars that nobody wants to come here. Like we could look right, back. But at Leon that. Rose, and that's part of the reason, if not the yeah. reason, Chris, that they hired Leon Rose and what's the the clown's name? Uh, you know, Worldwide West. That they yeah. wanted uh, all these guys in here to be, be able to bring the lure, the top free agents. They keep doing the same thing. I mean, it that's is. why they hired Fizdale. Oh, Fizdale, the players love them. They're going to be able to get free agents in here. So then they go hire Leon Rose, and they hire World mm-hmm. Wide West, and they think everybody's going to be able to you know, come to the Knicks. And we still haven't seen it yet. They still haven't got a superstar. They don't care. You know, it's like you could say we want about Kevin Durant, Kyrie. Obviously, we, you know, we don't want Kyrie. But even though Kevin Durant back then, you want a Kyrie? Holy crap, man! I have a messed up uh, work truck where my my radio pops on and off when it wants to. Hmm. Weird thing, but yeah, like they, it's it's like everyone, I would I would have took a, a Kevin Durant back then, but but it doesn't matter. Even any superstar, like even like Donovan Mitchell, I would have you know obviously I don't know I don't want to give up on RJ, but I, I would have took that top guy because to me RJ, you know, he may have. Some, Upside to me, he's always going to be like, be like a number two guy. We need that star guy to to come here and build around that player. And I don't know if Artie's going to be him, but like Randall, I don't like Randall at all. Yeah, he did like 31 points tonight, but he, he seems like he gets – he's too much under the pressure of the fans. When he starts sucking, man, he just – you know, he doesn't There's- play good. But he he's he's up and down, and thank you for the call, Chris. As always, appreciate checking in. He's up and down, and the problem is those two guys, the Knicks, quote unquote, star players. I mean, when you look at them, obviously Brunson is a different type player. I'm not knocking him, but he's not a superstar player. But he's a very good 
solid point guard. I think Brunson is the perfect number three, number two guy. You need a point guard that can play. Brunson is a point guard that can play. He's not the superstar player that's going to be able to take over a game or, or you know, lead the team out of the doldrums, but he is a solid player. Ideally, the Knicks would have two superstars to go along with him. And in their mind, it's Randall and Barrett. That's a poor man's version of stars because they're not stars. Look at some of the other rosters around the league. Look at the Hawks. I mean, those are star players when you look at the Hawks roster. I mean, with the with Murray, Hunter's a big player, obviously Trey Young. And you look at some of the guys that they have that they roll out there. Collins, a uh, solid player. They have solid players to go along with the potential stars with Trey Young and DeJounte Murray. I mean, it, and that's, you look at their, look at the top teams, obviously Giannis, I mean, you know, who are you going to compare to him? Or even Holiday for that matter. Look at the top teams. And and by the way, the Hawks beat the Bucks last night for the Bucks' first loss of the season, pacing them as a matter of fact, one seventeen ninety eight. Look at the top teams and look at their stars compared to the Knicks, and then you realize why the Knicks are where they are. Chris is calling from Farmingdale. What's up, Chris? Sal, I love you because you are the only one that talks Knicks, and when I need to talk Knicks. You are the guy I need to talk to about them. Well, thank you. <laughs> I mean, I'm also uh, the only one that's got five hours to fill by myself on the overnight following the Knicks. So, <laughs> I, mean, I, you know, I talk Rangers, too. I'm probably the only one who talks Rangers. Well, I guess boom. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know what? Even though we won tonight, Tibbs is not the coach for us. Now, I'm going to explain exact, one of the points exactly why I don't think he's a good coach for us. So against the, the Celtics, right, there was, what, I think 27 threes that they made or um, out of, what, 40 or something like that. Um, right. I want to say at least 23 of them were uncontested. And I want to say 20 of them, we looked and watched them shoot the ball. Without a- if there's a chance where you can try to contest the guy, put the hands in the face, you know, get close to the guy to where you're almost you're getting physical with him, but not enough to where you're fouling him, get there. And it's, you know, and they can't do it, and they keep crying. You know, it's like they keep watching and watching and watching, and well, nothing's I mean, I, done. But is that, that on, problem. is that on him? Because he did say after the game last night, specifically in this league, the way the three pointers are right now, guys got to get back. They got to be able to defend and get back. And you know, I, I look, I, I have to give Tibbs, Chris, the benefit of the doubt, saying that he knows how to coach. I mean, but, the but guy why wasn't he proven- on the Boston series, the Boston game, when they took all those threes? I get it. Tonight, they, 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 it showed a little bit of adjustment. But why wasn't that changed during the game against the Celtics? That's why I, I don't, don't think have the players. I, mean, I don't think. I don't think the players play defense. Give me the coach that's going to get them to play defense. Well, that's well, that's, that's this is what this is what's boggling me. In twenty twenty, I mean, he was coaching here, and this team was playing defense. That's why they were the fourth seed. It wasn't because of their offense. One thing about twenty twenty, and I remember this because we had a guest on. JVT, Jonathan Von Tobel for, I believe, VEASAN. And we had him on prior to the playoff series against Atlanta. And he gave up. Now, I'm not into these metrics, but he gave us 
the numbers on the Knicks defense, and he basically said the Knicks defense is overrated because they've had a lot of guys have good looks from downtown that missed. And eventually that's going to change. And I was like, you're out of your mind. The Knicks are going to beat the Hawks. They smoked him in the regular season. Hawks can't compete. And he was right. So I think that year was more of an aberration where there were open threes. They just weren't going down. Yeah, that, that I totally agree with that. I, I know I, I'm just seeing like, like the turnovers today. And for one thing, let's talk about uh, Fournier. Why is Fournier still playing? On, why is he in the rotation? But I well, thought he's still sitting on the bench. Put him in the game. What, what, how much? How much worse are you going to get? It's almost like the Mets with with McCann. You keep putting the lineup. What are you? What are you going to lose by putting Alvarez in? The same thing with with the Knicks. Put him in McBride. The guy's in the, the guy's sitting on the bench, wasting his talent. Fournier is doing nothing but he gives you a couple threes during the game, and the rest of the time he's throwing. He's giving you this ridiculous turnovers that like I couldn't even turn over the ball in that situation. Yeah, they need to clean up their bench, Chris. And as always, thank you for the call. Appreciate you checking in. I, I'm down on Emmanuel quickly. That's a guy who a couple of years ago I was thinking I wouldn't trade him. He's going to turn. I thought he would turn in to that offensive star. The way quickly his rookie year was lighting it up from downtown, quick release, knocking down threes. I wanted them to play a little bit more off the ball and have him as a traditional two guard. And they never really did that. But quickly right now, what, is, what exactly is he doing? Does nothing. He's a problem. Would I like to see McBride get a little more run? Sure, especially when D. Rose is one of ten from the field. I mean, McBride can't find himself in the game. So the Knicks need to figure it out off the bench. They have just they have dead weight. Fournier's dead weight. You know, D. Rose may be a veteran uh, that's going to help out the team and teach guys and help them along and, you know, maybe get the message across from Tibbs to the rest of the team. I, I get it. But he doesn't need to be playing a whole lot either anymore. I remember he was a key part of the Knicks a couple years ago when they had success. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.